Well, Dak, here's the deal. I'm the best there is, plain and simple. And nobody can hang with my stuff. Uh, you know, I'm just a just a big, hairy American winning machine. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine right, jet flying, son of a gun. Welcome into the Victory Bells podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? Hey, guys. Oh, big golfs, huh? All right. On Red Raider Sports Radio. Well, see you later. And now, here's Will. Great cash, homie. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into this latest edition of the Victory Bells podcast. I'm your host, Will McKay, associate editor of RedRaiderSports.com, joining you guys from the LBK as always, and joined by Matt, don't call me Matthias, Claire, from the H-Town. What's going on, Matt? Hey, what's up? What's up, Will? You really stuck the landing there. Yeah, that one wasn't. I, I thought I was going in the right direction, and... I thought I had something coming down the pipe, and then it was just a, a nothing burger. So, is is Matthias? Is that an Arrested Development reference? And that's Tob- Tobias would be a. Oh, uh, because yeah, I thought I had that wrong. Okay, all right, moving on, moving okay, on. How just, you doing? Okay, How's it going? Just, How's the weather in Lubbock? Yeah, ah. it's. Uh, we're gonna throw that under the. That one's going under the rug. We'll just we'll just forget about that. Yeah, just um, edit that out. Okay. Send that to our producer. Great, grand. Send that. Out. Wonderful. Producer Will McKay, also host. Okay. <laughs> of victory bells podcast okay we're way off the rails right here to start this so this is this is great this is fantastic but uh regardless uh hope you guys are all having a fantastic week as we get ready for uh tech in oklahoma state on saturday night obviously a lot of people excited for that us included uh just just had a lot of good going on with the program right now and uh matt you were part of that as you were in houston last weekend since you are uh located in that part of the world and uh you you took it in so we'll just kind of see man I mean, I saw I saw a, a type of game that I haven't seen in a long time. You know, when it involved Texas Tech, and I, I know that Houston's improved over the past couple of years. I had been to Houston versus Rice game, I think maybe last year, the year before, and I was just helping out our Houston rival site with some game notes and stuff. And uh, I don't know, just two completely different experiences. Obviously, when you're winning, it all comes together. The fans are attracted, but. I really have to give Houston and their stadium credit. I mean, it was loud in there. I don't know if you could tell from the the broadcast, but uh, they oh, had a lot of. Seemed like. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know if it's been developed or shared, but it, it almost seemed like a combination of like tech with like the certain chants or situations, but then also had some A and M because they'll get into like a song and they'll all sway yeah. together. So kind of weird and then some texas with the cowboys standing on the sideline like hey look this area is for you know photographers get out of the way dude and and they had uh i don't even know what to call it they were just banging on sheet metal and it had like a (laughs) bell on it as well and i don't know if you've heard this on other podcasts or from level or anybody else usually there's an etiquette to that like your band i don't know the exact rule there's like to stop by the snap is the or like two seconds before the snap i think is the rule that that was they were not adhering to that one and the band was on you know the the shade the shaded area of the stadium well there was a lot of shade right it's hot as shit but um there's there they were over there on that side and every time it was over there they would just play right through the play and i just thought that was odd uh but it just the same thing went on and on throughout the entire game so just like 
like someone how how does the banging of this sheet metal go about so like, there's these you know how texas has the guys with the cheerleaders that are like in like the long tombstone yes, jacket yes, and, yes, okay yes, yes. so they have the same thing in houston is very unoriginal and they're all dressed up like cowboys and they're all wearing the same thing and it has like houston painted on the back and there's there's literally like this little wagon that they have with them and it has this like pole and a and a bell on top of that and then all the rest of the the body of it is made of like the sheet metal right like what you would see you know just scrap metal and they're just clanking it and so every time so what, you're, what you're describing to me is like a hobo clanker of some, exactly some like so, yeah i mean that's the best way for me to describe it but check the tape you'll you'll see these guys anyway that, those were my observations i mean it was really hot uh, but I'm from Houston, so I've done that before. But anytime you're around that artificial turf, it adds at least another 10 degrees. And that part sucks because then the heat comes up from your feet. Uh, but I had fun, man. I mean, that was a very entertaining game. And all the back and forth and the the energy on the sidelines. Uh, if, if you've ever been to that stadium or, you know, you'll know what I'm talking about because you've covered games on the road. Mm-hmm. But at Tech, there's a lot of room on the sidelines. Um, a and, lot. And, For, compared, yeah. to, compared to most places, you have a ton at Tech. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, the Houston fan base, I wouldn't say that they were like so much closer, but because of the the it's smaller stadium in nature and because of the the predominant, you know, crowd was Houston over there. You know, they were like just talking, you know what, to the players. And it was the whole time because, you know, when we're taking pictures or we're covering the game from the sideline, we have to stay in our kind of boundaries. And you have to. Yeah, and you have to watch out, like, if the national broadcast has, like, a a camera team and this, that, and the other. These guys didn't have the lift, so this was easier. Um, The guy was just walking around. But, um, yeah, I mean, we had to go from side to side. And so there were so many turnovers, so many big plays um, that that it was a a lot of fun just to go back and forth. And then as I'm going back and forth, I got to see all the energy and all the interactions on the sidelines. So it was uh, was pretty interesting. But, but yeah, the fans are – right there, right up close. They're like yelling at Howard to go uh, puke in the trash can when he had to hurl during the game, right? <laughs> and they're, uh, you know, they're just talking to the punter saying, hey, man, you know, you're going to really mess up this next one, whatever, right? I mean, yeah. it, it was all lighthearted and uh, no, nobody was falling over themselves drunk that early in the That's day. Luckily. Yeah. Um, what, what was that like for you being on the sideline and being around – you know, the team and kind of getting to see how they acted on the road and just the energy of the group and, and just what was kind of the vibe you got from them throughout the game? Well, I mean, I, I had been on the sidelines before and, and I had seen teams in previous years. I would just say, I mean, when you have that, I don't know, just the, uh, the rowdiness, if you will, like the camaraderie, uh, they're all kind of trying to pump each other up yeah. and you've got, defensive linemen going over to offensive linemen uh you've got guys going over to cam batson uh to talk to him about how he's going to return a punt when it's only third down uh but they're over there psyching him up already yeah um and and you've got some of these newer assistant coaches like uh i found out that jameson is a big fan of like the whiteboard so he spends like half of his time talking to the guys and then the rest of the time it's the assistant that kind of keeps the conversation going while he's showing these guys what to do on the whiteboard. So, yeah. you know, we've talked about how everyone that we've referenced and everything we've heard said that he's a technician and a fundamental, you know, focuses on the yeah. fundamentals, you know, maybe his teaching style, maybe his approach 
has helped these guys, you know, play better as a unit this year. Because, I mean, the, they're, they're getting better every game, and you're starting to see these guys make plays and make big plays. And so uh, I think I think the new, uh, what is it, sights and sounds from the Texas Tech yeah. football, that's incredible. I got to see them filming that, and they're right in there. They've got the audio and the video going. And I don't know if everyone got to see it, but – if you're a huge tech fan, you've probably seen it. It's if you're like listening to this do, podcast, honestly, it's like what they used to do on NFL films. If you've ever seen yeah. that before, like it's the no, same I, thing. I agree, and I think uh, you know Cliff's referred to this a couple of times in the off season, and and it just made me wonder. Like the reason he decided to make changes is they do like exit interviews with all the players, right. and they kept telling him that he didn't really focus on the defense as much as he did the offense, and so it kind of clicked with him. That he needed to make more of an effort. And I know part of that is, you know, having the team over to his house, you know, having these dinners and all that. But as we know, you know, Cliff's not a very, you know, he's not going to go to social media and just share everything, right? right? Uh, the old South Park episode, you know, where I, hey, I had a pork chop for dinner. Uh, <laughs> that's the, the age old argument. Um, but I, I think I think he's changed his approach, and a lot of those little things add up. Um, and, and I think these guys know uh, that he has their back. And and quite honestly, that's the thing that I saw the most, um, it, just in terms of the communication and in terms of guys trying to pick one another up. Uh, you have uh, you have the the punters and the kickers psyching each other up. I mean, obviously when that's happening, it's it's a little infectious. So uh, the the Australian guys is quite the character too. He was actually there was a few tech fans sprinkled in with the Houston fans on that side, and yeah. I mean they were just having a great time. So I mean I don't know those these guys are out there having fun. I I mean all of them. And you saw Jet Duffy getting out. You saw a lot of those pictures. He's, he's right in the yeah. middle. Yeah, he's he's pumping guys up like he was. He was trying to pump up Shimanek and some of the offensive linemen. I mean, he is. He was pretty excited. I think. I think too. This team. It just seems like, to me anyway, specifically the defense. I, I know everybody's talked about a lot of energy, but this team, I think, unlike a lot of teams you've had in the past, and it may just be because of the mentality they've kind of adopted because of the position they were in, kind of back to do a corner. It just seems like every single game they just play pissed off. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense to you? I mean, it, it really does. But, I mean, I I do think it's just those guys up front. You, I mean, you look at Mike Thomas. I mean, this guy is playing out of his mind right now. Yeah. And that's that – you see that. Like, you see anger from guys like him – guys like Brooks who like you know they just rarely get excited you know even Allen you know makes this huge play he he waits till he gets to the bench to really show any emotion um I thought that was pretty cool I mean that was my observation from being there I don't know if I, you know it looked different on TV but everyone else around him was going nuts yeah um and and uh, that that was pretty cool. I mean, you start the game like that. It was it was weird because I think a lot of the the players and coaches have addressed this as well. You know, they've had an opportunity over these past two weeks to really put teams away, and they didn't. And I gotta tell you, that game should have been twenty-one to nothing at the very beginning of that yeah. game. And and so I mean, and that could have very easily happened. But you know, the defense picked it up, uh, and and. You know, Shimanek was coming back through the locker room and coming into the the press area, and he was he went straight to the SID and he said, "Hey, I I want to talk today. I want to talk." And he just kind of laid on the compliments to the defense and talked about how when when one's been up, you know, or one been, one's been down, the other had to to pick it up, and yeah. and they've played together, blah blah blah. So we you know we've kind of beat that drum, but I mean it's real. And and right now we talked so much before the season about 
how it would be different with Shimanek at quarterback. I would say, you know, that that interception that he threw, which was his first and only of the year. Which I would argue wasn't really his fault either. That's what I was about to say. So you've got a guy who's protecting the football, and I think what that does is that allows the the play calling to to change and it allows the new personnel to be used in different ways. And I think you're still ironing all that out through three games. So to be three and oh is is you know incredible. But we're still learning a lot and, and seeing, you know, how the depth plays out on this team. Right. I just think that that going into this weekend and, and looking at how I mean, you've got players like kinda, you know, bumping their gums a little bit on Twitter. You've got, you know, three and O's three and O. You get to walk a little taller. Um, but but obviously they, if they can prove it this Saturday night that they've made these improvements on defense and I mean that they're going to have the the eyes of the nation. It'll be a long if if they win this weekend and, and we'll, we're going to get into that in a little bit. But if they were to win this weekend, I mean you can kind of launch pad yourself into quite the year. You know I I would guess and yeah I I, I just from everything I've seen this team play so far, I've seen the potential, but I haven't ever seen them play up to it yeah yeah so what what that says to me is is this is a team that as long as you coach it right as this staff you haven't reached anywhere near the peak of what you can play as which i think is encouraging because i think a lot of coaches would tell you that they would much rather play like tech's playing right now than to be just mowing over everybody because if you're mowing over everybody you're probably going to peak too early and you're not going to i mean you know what i'm saying You, you, you probably don't have as big of a ceiling so I, I would just say that I'm very encouraged early on in the growth that this team can have throughout a season, and I think any coach would tell you it's just about, you know, you have to start at a certain point and finish at a certain point, obviously, uh, and I think they're well on track to do that. We'll see this weekend, but, um, but but yeah, I mean, I think you're just playing as, as, as well as you could right now. So uh, moving on to a couple other things we wanted to get into. First, uh, Cam Valentine decommits earlier this week, I believe on Monday night, and uh, – Kind of out of the blue, out of nowhere, and uh, didn't really know what to think of it because I thought, you know, for a while he seemed like he was one of your, your more solid guys as far as commits go. Yeah, I man, I think it was odd. I mean, uh, I don't know. There, it, there's We haven't talked with him. I only shared a few text messages, and, you know, I had plans to go and see him because he was here in Houston. The first weekend, obviously, we had the storm, and all those games got canceled. Uh, but I hadn't had a chance to get out and see him yet. But six uh, three, I think two sixty. You know, he had decent offers. Uh, from what I understand, uh, he he told me that he was just having second thoughts and wanted to reopen his recruitment, and that Tech is in still you know still in high consideration. Uh, then I also find out that Coach Jameson went to see him on Friday, and so. You know, who knows? I, I don't know if maybe he was smaller than he thought or he didn't play as well. Those those are all the what ifs, right? And we're not going to go there because that's just not what we do. Uh, right. But clearly, I mean, relationship wise or just his level of commitment wasn't there. And so there's a lot of different what ifs. If you if you cover recruiting, you, you learn to expect it all. Uh, but there's a lot of things that could have occurred and, and there's a lot of things we don't know. So I don't think it's fair to speculate. Sometimes kids just change their mind. Uh, it, it You don't expect it with him because he had actually visited, I want to say twice. And there's a few kids in this class that haven't visited, um, right. namely, you know, Keisha.
Sean Allen, who's going to be in town this weekend. Uh, but anytime a kid's never visited, you're always going to have that. Well, you know, let's let's see what he says when he visited, because usually kids visit, they get that feel, they meet with the coaches, they feel comfortable about their decision. Uh, very often, when the kids don't come onto campus and they just make the decision because, wow, I just got a Big Twelve offer, and they don't know anything about the recruiting process, and they just commit. You know, their parents are excited, they, they commit. And, you know, then they've got 19 months left. And what inevitably happens is after the coolness of that wears off for two or three months, we're kind of preaching to the choir here. And, you know, what comes next is is the decommitment. So it happens to Tech every year. I didn't see it coming. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I don't know, you've struck out on some other D-line prospects. But I would also say you got an open spot. You have time to go evaluate this fall and see if you find any other prospects, but you're also 3-0. and So if you keep it up and the defense continues to improve, then maybe some of these other targets that are, you know, maybe aren't giving you the attention or you aren't in their, uh, their list of options right now, uh, that might change. So I just think there's plenty of time right now. So if it was going to happen, go ahead, you know, decommit and uh, open up the spot. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is, you know, you're just in late September. This isn't like he, you know, had a change of heart in the second week of December and you're kind of up a creek here. Um, so, so yeah, I think there's there's a lot of other guys, a lot of other D-line targets out there. And like you said, you may get back in the door with, uh, you know, with, with some guys that uh, maybe, you know, you lost out earlier that weren't as interested earlier. And uh, we'll see what happens. But I, I think you wonder, too, you know, what does this do – um, you know, maybe for a guy like Otito Ogbanya, you know, does he think now, you know, oh, well, there's definitely like even more, you know, spot for me and I'm more needed than I was before. And, uh, you know, you've got a handful of guys out there. There's some Houston guys that are, that are commits. I know that Tech's interested in. And, um, I don't know, Matt, are there any guys that you can just like off the top of your head here that you're just like, Hey, maybe him, him or him would be a possible replacement. It's really hard to say at the defensive end position, right. um, I mean, at this moment, you got to remember, for me, where I form my opinion is that Jamison came from FAU. So it's not like he's going to say, I need to go get a 5.73 star or four star guy. I don't think that's his approach. And that's why I think he might spend a couple weeks on the road recruiting before moving on any new prospects. But uh, you look at guys like a Tyler Lacey that committed to Oklahoma State. I I talked to Spencer Trussell. He has not heard from the coaches. Uh, That was another defensive end who ended up committed to Kansas State. Um, You mentioned there's a couple guys that are committed to Houston uh, that the coaches – uh, have you know reached out to in the past so there's a lot of guys you know me Maitland and Brandon and, and Colt we're reaching out to really after the first week any anyone with a tech offer because the, a the more they start winning uh, maybe the the different uh, prospects they go after but b you know you never know who's visiting or who's having second thoughts about their recruitment that's really the big takeaway I took from Valentine is that you know we have two stories up right now and and both of them are about kids that are committed to other programs, a linebacker to Missouri and uh, one that just reopened his recruitment from Arkansas uh, because he wants to play receiver. So, I mean, it's, it's not happening to just tech. That's, I guess that's why I was going into detail about, right. you know, just kind of how this happens. And so, um, you know, sometimes the conversation becomes, it's mutually beneficial for both of us to, to move our separate ways, if you will. So, I, I think that inevitably happened. How how it got there, you know, we'll leave that up to, to chance. But 
Um, I, I think the coaches have an open spot. They're going to evaluate. They're going to look into you know what's out there. Uh, but I, I don't know that every for every year we talk about it. The coaches have a, a hot board, if you will, or they have a board where they track their prospects per position. So they're just going to go down the line. They're going to they're going to reconnect with guys they've offered. They're going to reconnect with guys they have relationships with and have shown interest in. And and that's just the way it's going to go until they get back on the road and start seeing some kids. Yeah, absolutely, and and you, you think that won't be this weekend. Obviously, you've got a home game, so you won't have anybody out on the road, but uh, go to Kansas next weekend, and then they go to West Virginia the weekend after that. So you've kind of got a two-weekend window here where uh, I'm sure that the coaches will probably try to get on the road and see some guys on uh, either Thursday or Friday night whenever they're uh, going up going up for those road trips, and those those assistants will go separately, which is, which is a thing that happens all the time. So... Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of see here in a couple weeks where uh, some of this goes, but but I would guess we'll we'll have some differing interests and different things. And uh, one of those guys I wanted to, to touch on real quick that you said that's committed to Missouri that Tech still keep in touch with is Cam Wilkins, who's uh, a linebacker, and, and just kind of had wondered, you know, what they were going to do as far as that position goes. You only got one committed, and seemed like, uh, and that'd be you know Xavier Benson's the guy that's committed, but uh, seemed like that. Uh, you know they might take another one. You know eventually. So, uh, just kind of what you what you kind of hear from Cam, and what do you just kind of think about that situation, Matt? Well, I mean, with Coach Spavadol, we've always said when he, you know when he, when he offers guys, it's because you know he's really gotten to know them, and and he really likes their potential at linebacker. He just doesn't put a lot of offers out there, and you know even with uh, a guy that we hadn't mentioned, Chad Bailey, just right. because he hasn't responded. Uh, you know, both of these guys are committed to Missouri and both these guys had really good relationships with Spav. The interesting part is that, um, you know, Bailey has a, a teammate that's at Missouri. So some of that makes sense. There's a connection there, uh, a teammate that he was obviously closer to than Bruffy and, you know, both in age and just relationship. Um, but, but, you know, aside from that, Wilkins has never been to Lubbock, uh, that he has no direct connection. So for him to say that he's looking to schedule a visit, uh, I mean, he basically said he will visit. So, um, anytime you get to have a, an uncommitted prospect, you know, watch you in front of your home crowd and show them all these new things that we've spent time talking about with the indoor facility and the new locker rooms. I mean, obviously that's going to give you a, a small percentage of, of flipping them. And I don't think that, it, you know, it says a couple other things too. I don't think they would host him if they weren't willing to take his commitment either. So right. uh, I look at it like, you know, we, uh, we're going to talk about it a little more going into the Oklahoma State game, but you saw Jordan Brooks get dinged up. Now, you know, I'd mentioned on the board that I thought it was precautionary, and, and we both still feel like that's what it is based at the off, moment. Based off what I've known from what I heard from Sunday and Monday, uh, I think he's he was expected to play this weekend. So uh, we'll see, but it's a slight knee sprain situation um, and know that they weren't worried about it very much, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, anyway, all that to say, I mean, it happens. So, you know, it could change your recruiting priorities at a, in a moment's notice. Right. So uh, you're always trying to look. I think that's the number one thing that's helping this team with improvements. Obviously, talent is talent, but having depth 
uh, especially, you know, with just the way college football is played these days, you know, at a fast pace with a, a lot going on and, and really a lot of talent needed across the field. When you have depth like this, you can actually compete for four quarters. And, and I don't think you could have said that, you know, defensively for sure over the past two to three years whatsoever. Um, you had guys that, that really just didn't belong out there. Yeah, this is the first year where, you know, I look out at the field, and I think you probably agree, is when your starting lineup goes out there and even some of the guys that are rotating in and out, I mean, you kind of look like everybody else again, right? Oh, absolutely. And and I think, you know, I think where that starts is, uh, you know, I, I think you've had some defensive linemen that were nice size, but now I think you have guys that can play. Uh, and to me, your, your defensive line play has been the biggest difference and what this team's been so far, that and your second, that and your uh, corner play, I, I think it's just been on a different different stratosphere. And uh, think about just how many of those guys they added last year that are playing right now. Who, what is today? Uh, we're recording this September twenty seventh. I mean, how many of these guys that are starting or are contributors right now? Uh, Tony Jones, Octavius Morgan, Jalen Lane. Uh, how many of those guys were really in the even in the picture? you know, at this point last year. Because if I remember right, until October, they weren't even guys you were talking about much. Tony, yes, but not not really Morgan or uh, Jalen Lane. No. I mean, there there might have been, you know, coaches sending messages, staying in touch with coaches, things of that nature, but but nothing nothing really significant. In fact, Lane didn't get an official offer uh, until very late in the process, and he was con- not even – he was considering not even visiting and staying committed to Oregon State. Right. Um, and I think he realized, oh, well, that, you know, I need to at least visit. So uh, pretty interesting. I mean, you know, I've covered recruiting for nearly five years and I covered him. You know, he was one of the first players I covered um, end to end. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, remember, he started out in uh, San Angelo. Right. Because uh, for people that don't know, he's friends with Eli Howard and uh tech pitcher davis martin from high school because he went to, went to school with those guys originally yeah well i mean yeah all these connections all that stuff i mean the kid i think the kid just had a bum you know string of luck um and i know he had a situation in high school but anyway obviously you've seen that you know the talent is there he's taking care of his you know personal situation he paid his dues in juco and everybody i talked to after the class i'm talking high school coaches i'm talking just fans i'm talking trainers they're like you better watch out for Jalen lane that's a bad man so i mean i think that uh all the connections were there it's all panning out i mean hey i i guess the skeptic would say when you take like 11 or 13 jucos a couple of them better be good but right now i mean they're all flashing and for for a juco to do that immediately like that's that's pretty cool because uh, uh, half of those guys are here for another, uh, another two year. years. Yeah. yeah, well, a year at least. Morgan and Laner another year. Jones another year. Uh, I think, but like you said, there's a couple of the Quentin Yonces two more years after this year, uh, and several of those other guys I think are a couple more a couple more years as well. Uh, Thomas Leggett, a guy that's not that's not that's I think he's redshirt now. Honestly, uh, is a guy. Yeah, I do that, too. Is, yeah, he's been like with the the t-shirt waivers right. and stuff like that, the red shirts. But again, uh, yeah, another guy that you're going to have for since he's red shirt, and I think for three more years after this at this point. Right. Well, um, just because it popped into my head, and I don't want to forget, um, 
I always joke with the people on the message board, you know, Nelson and, and Banasaur was an Oklahoma State commit this time last year. Uh, he didn't commit till the end of October, early November. So just Rico, think. I guess was Rico committed at this point last year? I can't remember. Uh, I can look real quick. I don't but think he was. Well, no, I think he was. Yeah. Um, well, he did something at like a pep rally or something like that, I remember, yeah. but I don't remember specific dates. Yeah, uh, no, he of, was committed at. No, yeah, it was October 27th. Okay, so he hadn't committed yet either. So, And you want to talk about a guy that you hit on and is a bad man. I think Rico Jeffers is in line for that, wouldn't you? I mean, Rico Jeffers looked really good. I mean, at first, my thoughts were, I really hope Brooks is okay, because when you see him on the sideline, he's just built like a brick. Yeah. Um, but you had him and Dakota just dominating that game. As everyone saw, and I think he had, I mean, I think he had uh, pro football focus his highest grade in the entire country last year or last week. Uh, yeah, that was did. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. But even seeing Jeffers in there, you're like, oh, that's a big boy, and you're like, oh, that's Jeffers. And you know, at that point, the game was very much still, you know, winnable for Houston, right. um, regardless of your perspective. I mean, but that was when it was still like thirteen ten or twenty to thirteen, whatever it was. And um, and he's in there and he's running around making plays. I mean, that's a big kid. And you start to think about, you know, what you'll be able to get back. You don't want to look too far forward, but that's what having all that depth is is good for. I mean, you got Dakota in there who can step up and lead the defense, but you got a guy like Jeffers. It's a true freshman can come in when Brooks either needs a breather or has to get off the field. Um, and, and I think the same can be said for the other side there. So it's kind of interesting to see the rotations and it's very cool because uh, you'll have, you'll have sets for first and second down, and then you'll have completely different personnel for third down, which I know is typical, but you haven't seen, you know, when, when Gibbs first came here, you know, it was all about, I'm going to sub, I'm going to do this, but you couldn't, didn't really have the personnel to do that in, in previous years. Now you're seeing like, uh, line changes like hockey, you know, yep. um, and, and it's pretty good to see. But yeah, uh, yeah, you didn't have Jeffers and you didn't have Invanosaur this time of year, so you know, there you go. How about yeah. how about that fact check for your face? <laughs> and uh, what you're, I think, what you're excited about really on defense is is you're playing all these guys that I think are a little bit older, which means guys like Houston Miller, Nelson Invanosaur, Noah Jones. Uh, all these freshman corners, Adrian Fry, John Davis, uh, all none of these guys are having to play this year. In fact, they're all redshirt right now. Joe Wallace. Joe, Joe Wallace didn't playing, obviously. Um, but I'm just saying, you're playing this well without all those guys who you thought. I think a lot of those those DBs, you 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 know, you like them out of high school and thought they you know contribute this year. And uh, the coaching staff said, no, you know what, you guys can just sit over here and we're gonna we're gonna start these older guys. So I think that this is finally the first year in a long, long time where you feel like, hey, playing all these older guys right now, and you, and you just kind of finally have the system back in order. You know, you, you just kind of got your sor- sorts about you now, and I think it's just about building upon it moving forward after this year. Well, and and you probably pay maybe closer attention to this uh, in the press box than I do and just following the game recaps, but I think we saw uh, Demarcus Fields for you know the first extended amount of time that he we played, had this I think, season. Seven or eight offensive snaps in that game at least. Yeah. No, I'm talking about Fields uh, at at corner. No, that's what I'm saying. On, I mean, de- yeah, defensive snaps. Yeah, he played like at least seven or eight snaps that I can remember off the top of my head. 
Yeah, he was in there for a lot more than that. I think, uh, yeah, because I, I was like, wait, who's 23? Uh, but you got you have him back and healthy, and so that's another example of you know being able to let these guys kind of mature and get in the weight room, and then they're able to play right away. He had a shoulder uh, that he was nursing, but this is another just track star, speedy guy. And he almost had two picks in that game. Should yeah, I mean, they, yeah, he looks like a player. I mean, you look at him and he passes the eye test. I mean, he's out there flying around. So, you know, that's just another addition to the depth chart. And then another guy, I don't know if you mentioned, but uh, I think the uh, the posters mentioned him this week. I mean, even Kevin Moore is, you know, he's doing what he can on special teams. But even with all the rotations, he still hasn't seen the field yep. on defense. So, you know, you got a lot in the wings. No, I, yeah, and I think you're, you're excited about the, the defense and the depth and – uh you, the thing that's interesting right now too is is I think you have a couple of staple guys like guys that are playing about every down and that would be you know Dakota uh, Jordan uh, Jayshon Johnson I think when he, if he's healthy Vontae Dorsey and then really Mike Thomas Broderick Washington but really every other you know position they're rotating in a, a group of guys so to me that, that just speaks to to all the role players you have and the fun thing for me has been is seeing your 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 you know your front seven where you're rotating all these pieces in at end and, and you're doing all these different like blitz packages and all this kind of different stuff. And that's been the fun thing for me is just seeing David Gibbs get creative on third and longs and second and long. So, I mean, I, all the only caveat I would say is that I don't know if Tex played a team with a really explosive running back. I mean, obviously we pay respects to Bundage, but he's more of a bruiser and a short Bullage, yardage. Caleb Sorry. What did I say? Bundage. Bundage, yeah, whatever. Bellage. <laughs> my bad. But, but yeah, I mean, obviously he tore Tech apart that one year. But, it, I mean, style-wise, right, you haven't seen a real explosive guy. So it'll be interesting to Justice see Hill how they perform. Good. Yeah, Justice Hill. And, and then, you know, looking further into conference play, the Oklahoma running backs are looking pretty good. Mm-hmm. Texas has had some rushing success. So, uh, you know, Aaron's piece on the on the scoring and the statistics that was pretty interesting. So it's it's definitely the the old cliche about bending and not breaking and whatnot. But man, when the defense is is turning the ball over like that, um, I mean it. You know the the kids said it. Uh, excuse me, kids. Well, they're kids to me, but the players all said it in the post game. You know when they all put together a complete game, you know it's it's going to be fun to watch. So the offense is going to score points at home. Uh, the defense, if they can continue to create turnovers, I mean, they're starting to get people. Yep. People are starting to believe in this team a little bit. Absolutely, I think as you should be, and we'll, they'll get their first major, major test uh, this weekend against Oklahoma State. And speaking of, you no, know, you guys have probably read the visitors list and know about it, but we just really quickly wanted to hit on it and just kind of give our thoughts. And uh, you got mostly commits in this weekend. Uh, a couple of you know non-committed guys, Hunter Spears, I think probably the the biggest name amongst those. But uh, just kind of, what are your thoughts on your visitor list this weekend, Matt, and uh, what you're kind of bringing in for OSU? Well, I mean, as we say it all the time, I mean, we're doing this on a, a Wednesday afternoon. Uh, we're going to hit the phones tonight and, and figure out you know where some prospects are with their uh, schedule. Uh, but expecting more uh, unofficial visits this weekend, nothing official. It, it sounds like in, in our first batch of calls, what we found out is Hypolite's coming for Iowa State. So is Maurice Wren, who just decommitted from Arkansas. And who was the third Drew one Jackson. that I'm 
Drew Jackson from Saxy's going to come back that weekend. So, uh, you know, that's looking like a weekend where maybe they're doing a little more hosting. We'll see. Um, and then obviously you've got a few other home games later in the season. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it might be what it is. And, and I think that you'd made the comment today. I mean, a lot of these kids don't really confirm their plans until Friday or the day of the game. So we'll find out more. We've got a few maybes on there too. And, uh, we'll, we'll get around to some of the uncommitted guys as well. Yeah, just wanted to note, I think, real quickly that I think it's good to get Demarcus Marshall in here for a weekend for a game. Uh, same yep. thing with Stephen Parker uh, and several of your other guys that, that you've got committed who haven't been in town. Kashawn Carter hasn't been to a game. So nope. I, it's, it's just good to get those kind of guys in, I think, especially a weekend like this to kind of reaffirm you know what they've thought so far. John Graves told me a, a few weeks ago when I was checking up and getting some quotes on the game, uh, he said that he's possibly going to bring along some of his Lancaster teammates. Okay. Now, you know, how much interest there is on the other end of that from the tech coaching staff, you know, we'll see. Uh, but I'm going to follow up with him later in the week just to see who's going to hitch a ride with him out to Lubbock. But, you know, that's usually how it works. These guys will bring some of their teammates. Um, and and what, from what he told me, these guys are on defense and they're 2018. So uh, that's why I say let's let's wait and see what the coaches mm-hmm. think and uh, what the level of interest is there. But, I mean, even to have your committed guys in here, I think you made a great point. Some of these guys, it's their first visit. And uh, for even some of the committed guys, they may have come for like a junior day or something, but that doesn't mean they've been, you know, in the Jones on a Friday night for a Big 12 conference game, you know, and a blackout. I mean, it's going to be pretty crazy for those kids to see. And uh, that's the fun part about going and doing the photos on the sideline. Now, we're not allowed to use them uh, because it's a no-no, but you can take pictures of the recruits that are there. You can walk over there. You can see who's actually there, and they're all there. They're just watching warm-ups on the field. They're interacting uh, with one another. And, I mean, that's, to me, I think the, the kids are somewhat into the game, but a lot of them are on their phones a lot. Yeah. Uh, but that's the part where they, like, put everything down and really pay attention because that's when the crowd, uh, excuse me, the crowd's pouring in. You've got introductions. you got all the adrenaline of that. So, um, yeah, hopefully I'm not going to be there. Maybe you need to get on the field and, <laughs> and check it out or send one of the guys down there. Yeah, we will uh... – for sure get down there and, and uh give it a uh, give it a look as we usually do to kind of figure out who's here who's not and uh see how it goes this weekend should be regardless of the outcome i think should be a great uh, a great official visit weekend and uh speaking of the oklahoma state uh cowboys just what uh i guess for first matt what do you kind of think about that what do you just kind of think about uh big 12 in general just 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 what do you thought about football for this weekend you know i thought that uh, and I know it's a body of work conversation, but if you look at the box scores for every Big 12 matchup this week, and even some of the other matchups that were supposed to be, you know, good games over the weekend, uh, Tech and Houston are the only ones that play defense. And for anyone that actually watched the games, you know, you've got Houston, or I'm sorry, Kansas and West Virginia, like 59 to 30 something. Uh, it was a and lot closer you- than that early in the fourth quarter. So. Right. And I didn't get to see those types of games, so I don't know. But then you've got, you know, an outcome like uh, TCU and Oklahoma State where there's a lot of points being scored there, too. A lot of sloppy football. And then you've got uh, games like a UCLA Stanford where they scored a ton of points. You've got A&M and Arkansas where they scored a ton of points. And instead of like, oh, defense is optional tech and whatever they said on game day, I mean, hopefully they can maybe – I haven't heard it this week. I try to listen to a bunch of podcasts and whatever else for college football. I've seen one article. 
uh, written by Max Olson, where it points to the, the tech defense, you know, being improved. And I think he got a few quotes from Gibbs, but uh, I, I don't know. I haven't read the full thing yet, but even when people, I don't even think people are mentioning this as a, a huge game because after they lost to TCU, I mean, they're out of that top 10 range, so the they're not automatically, well, they're not, I, I guess they're just not automatically covered now. The the big game, I guess, is Virginia Tech. Uh, who is it? Virginia Virginia Tech, Clemson. uh, Clemson. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, well, okay. I mean, they didn't. I listened to two. uh, I listened to Mandel and and uh, 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 Feldman. Yeah, Feldman on the Audible, and then I also listened to the All American, and neither of them really mentioned. I mean, the Feldman mentioned the Tech defense for like ten seconds, uh, but none of them really even talked about the upcoming game. So we'll see. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that I think that because o- Oklahoma State was kind of the early weeks darling, you know what I'm saying, of everybody in the media where they were like, Oklahoma State this, Oklahoma State that. And well, somebody has to challenge Oklahoma, right? Somebody yeah. has to be the, 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 the good guy, bad guy, you know, spy versus spy or whatever. Yeah, I hear you. But it, it's, just, it's, just, it's just so funny to me where – they were the team that everybody was talking about as the hot team in the Big 12 and, you know, the, the big, you know, upstart this year, which they're not really. They've been this good for forever. But, um, but yeah, everybody just kind of talked about how good they looked the first couple weeks. And I think maybe a little bit of that, you know, shine wore off a little bit because TCU just kind of went into Stillwater and did whatever the hell they wanted to in that game on both sides of the ball uh, for quite a bit of it. And OSU looked real sloppy. Uh, didn't throw it down the field nearly as well as they have been. Didn't only got the James Washington play to work one time last week, as opposed to yeah, usually it usually works like five times. But, uh, but what do yeah. you think? Of, what do you think of that matchup? Where you know, because Mason Rudolph is pretty good at the the play action and the RPO game, but he's not mobile at all. What do you think? Do you think that helps the Tech defensive line? cause more pressure because not not to say that they haven't they've done a great job of that but the other quarterbacks have been able to extend the pocket and do some other things where you know even if you see some of these quarterbacks run to outside the hash and toss it 10 yards out of bounds that takes Rudolph longer than than some of these quarterbacks that Tech's already played so do you think that that is going to help them a little bit I mean look at look at last week whenever you're playing Kyle Allen who was the first quarterback you played who couldn't run around a bunch because uh Gage Gabrud, who played for Eastern Washington, is a super runner who runs around all the time, and he didn't, you know, and, and, and so they didn't really pin their ears back against Eastern Washington. Uh, Manny Wilkins can run it really, really well, so you never really did it against Arizona State either. But what I noticed last week is, is, and I think it was in the game plan. I mean, Kyle Allen was really never comfortable in the pocket for very many of his throws. There was either a tech guy like bearing down on him quite a bit, or his pocket was getting pretty close to. Um, pretty close to falling apart, and he's not a guy that's mobile enough to really do much than either slide out to one of the flats and rip off a ball, which he only did once or twice in that game. And I think that's really kind of what Mason Rudolph more is. So I would guess that your game plan for this weekend, especially uh, now that Oklahoma State's right guard, uh, I think Larry Williams is his name, is out for the year. And then Zach Crabtree, their right tackle, is still, I think, up in the air whether he's going to play this weekend. I mean, I would guess if neither if if both those guys are out and they're playing two, I think two guys that are sophomore and freshman on the right side, right? I would guess that you, you that you tell those guys to just get after it and pin their ears back. 
Yeah, you you uh, explained that way better than I would. I was thinking the same thing, but I was like, what are their names? Are they even out? Yeah. But at least you know. But no, that's what I was going to say is, is – uh, uh, I think that helped TCU, and they I think did. Tech can do some of the same things. Uh, I would imagine, though – that that they're going to try to game plan around those weaknesses. So, you know, we have seen this Tech uh, defense get nickeled and dimed a little bit. Which I and think then they're okay the, with. They're, I, think I, th- they're I do okay think with. they're okay with that. But it, it does, uh, you know, the thing about Rudolph is he throws a beautiful deep ball. And so you can't get, let yourself get set up. I think they're really going to start – to try to run the football, and yep, if Tech can too. stop that and, and apply, you know, even moderate pressure on Rudolph, or at least make him check down, then I feel at that point in time that that you know you'll have them, you know, where you need them. But a lot of that is going to be predicated that You're approach and what they do on, yeah, the D line, but also like, is the offense going to put up points? Are they going to have a slow start? Yeah. You know, are you putting pressure on Oklahoma State to to get it's out cool. there and throw the ball around? So we'll see. The thing, I mean, I. I'm excited about. I mean, a 7 p.m. game, uh, national TV again. Yeah, yeah I mean, Lubbock's going to be Lubbock's going to be excited. The thing that I noticed that TCU did, and it's it's super simple, but they were able to really just whenever they would whenever OSU would throw it, they really just sent four or five, and they would drop. You know, the other seven, uh, the other the other seven or six or seven guys were all backed off into coverage. Uh, and to the point where I don't think Oklahoma, or I don't, excuse me, I don't think TCU played with without two safeties over the top the entire game. Um, even to the point that Rudolph forced one with a safety over the top to uh, to Washington, and it was a stupid throw because if it's anybody that's not Washington, it was it was going to be a pick for sure. It just ha- just so happens that he's uh, you know he's so good on the deep ball that even in double coverage he, he caught that one over two guys, but. Um, well, something something to watch though is is you saw it late in the game when Houston switched quarterbacks is they started to to hit that tight end seam route um, for for at least ten to fifteen yards for three different times that I remember in the yeah. fourth quarter. Now I know it's garbage time, but when OSU was trying to come back against TCU, they've got a big boy that they are hitting some passes to. So I think that's something Beach, that the Tech yeah. defense, yeah, I think the Tech defense, you know, Oklahoma State uses those guys. They actively recruit tight ends, so it's a little different of an approach. Uh, we've seen it before in the tech offense, but maybe not, you know, with the same level of responsibilities, be it blocking and receiving, uh, in terms of the ratio there, but, but they're using this guy. So, I, I mean, I think that'd be something that they have to account for as well, but, um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking with a, a night game in Lubbock, uh, blackout, uh, three and O to me, Tech has nothing to lose, right? If they lose and it's a close game, like, well, they okay. were supposed to lose because they're the number 15 team in the nation or whatever. And then if they win, though, I mean, it's it's game changer for the season. So I think I think uh, Oklahoma State has everything to lose because if they lose, I mean, they're they're, they're out, yeah. they're, they're dropped. I mean, it's tough for them to really say that they're going to be a competitor in the Big 12 unless there's chaos. So, um, you know, I guess adversely that's going to make them pretty motivated to come in here and take care of business. So I think a quick start's important. And I think, you know, keeping up is important if the defense doesn't start out um, on the best note. I mean, that's what the players talked about. When one is down, you know, the other has to pick them up. And so I think you're going to see an up and down game. But, man, if, if Tech can really take care, uh, take advantage of the home field uh, crowd and, and cause some turnovers and capitalize on those. I mean, you saw that against Houston. 
and you saw that against Arizona State. They don't they haven't capitalized on turnovers and they haven't really uh, finished a team when they have them down. I would argue that in Houston, it, with turnovers and everything, it should have been twenty-one to nothing. It could have been very easily. Uh, you just had some, well, I, some. I thought that game at the end of it should have very easily been thirty-seven ten or forty to ten at the end of that game. Yeah, I mean, I so I was on the sidelines and it was hot. Uh, I went back to the press box uh, at 27 to 10 because I had watched the whole game and I said, this is over. And by the time I got upstairs to the press box, uh, I dropped my stuff off and I was talking to a buddy and he said, hey, they're putting in the other quarterback. And then you got to realize right after that, they had a complete stoppage to take Dorsey out. So I just think, yeah, I mean, momentum, you want to call it that. It just stopped everything. And I think at that point, you even had some backups on defense in the game. You did. Um, yeah. it, it was over is what I'm trying to say. It was over. And, and Tech, it, even uh, – I don't know what the scenario was, but they, they recovered a fumble on a kickoff. Uh, Fields ripped well, it out of the guy's hand. Punt return. Yeah, punt return. There you go. And um, uh, they could have scored right there, but they tried nothing. They did like they these dances behind the they line. Ran, they runs. ran four times in a row just to run clock. Yeah, and, and then – you know, you saw what you saw on defense. So that, anyway, all that said, I said real quickly though, the, I thought though that Postma, that that kid, and the fact that they were able to complete some stuff late, I thought that had more to do with the fact that your defense had played eighty snaps at that point, and Postma came in and hadn't played a single snap of football, and he's a mobile guy, uh, and I think that's why you he really had some success running around is that, and you hadn't game planned for a guy like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and uh, talking to some of the UH guys there postman's got a pretty cool story i mean he uh i think he originally signed with a d2 program out of high school he was he was the quarterback at katie and uh moved around transferred a couple times um and you know, maybe go, very similar yeah that. maybe maybe similar to mclean carter yeah. path um yeah. and he might have even walked on at houston but yeah i mean something different i don't know if you talk to some of those guys you know they're like kyle allen looked like a god against arizona and rice and then against you guys you know it was a different story so we'll see i mean definitely uh was joking with the guys somebody should you know tweet mike farrell and say hey this guy needs to be on your five-star bus list because <laughs> no way. I mean, because you got to remember, he played with Christian Kirk in high school. Yep. Um, those guys committed to A&M pretty early on. Christian Kirk is obviously a five-star. He's living up to that. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I made the comment that maybe he was catching, like, these uh, behind-the-scrimmage uh, tunnel screens and taking them 80 yards, like, five times a game in high school, and that made Kyle, Kyle Allen look like, you know, something that he wasn't, I don't know, but we always say like, we try to fight for ratings for some of these guys or send in evaluations. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to do that when you see a lot of these busts happening. I don't know if you noticed, but the, the top player in I think 2015, 2016, he just transferred from Auburn. I think he's going to go to like a UCF or something like that. Yep. But I mean, very rarely do you see the number one player in the nation bust out like that. So there's probably more to that story, but I mean, you just start to see that, the difference, especially like receivers and some other skill positions like corner and whatnot, there's not a big delta between the four-star and the five-star guy Mm-mm. from like the mid-level three-star guy. The mid-level three-star guy could be younger. He could develop after year one. Like he could just be an instinctive player that fits what you do. Um, so there's just a lot to consider um, when there was one over another. Now, obviously, they, they rate based on NFL 
prospects, but you, that's why you see most of the success bear out. And, you know, Alabama's Alabama. But, you know, when you're a Tech fan, I don't, I don't really think you can view it through those glasses. I think you need to you understand, you know, what you can and can't do um, at this point in time and, and really evaluate what you need for the defense from a depth and a talent standpoint. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's what we've we've seen so far is I think that Gibbs and this whole defensive staff have done a really good job of, as we're seeing this year, of finding guys that fit what they want to do or just having uh, good connections and finding guys that nobody knows about because, I mean, Vontae Dorsey's a guy that, I mean, Arizona State came in super late, but, I mean, Tech was really the only major team in on him um Mike Thomas is a guy that you knew because of uh because of Emmett Jones because he played at Skyline and nobody yep. was really interested in him and I mean those are two guys out of I think out of your top 10 that are you know playing some of the best football on your entire football team right now I would agree with that so um before we get out of here uh any thoughts as far as anything else college football anything like that basketball whatever um, I thought the outcome and some of the story around Oklahoma and Baylor was interesting this week. Um, Chris Platt I, obviously out for the year now for them. Yeah, I mean, it, couple. Yeah, there's another guy that's out. Uh, uh, one of their defensive ends. Oh yeah. No, yeah, defensive ends. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't keep up with all the team updates, but I just, I don't know. I, I was got, I'd gotten home from the game and. I put that game on in the background while I was uploading photos and doing some other stuff with the kids. Uh, but it just I looked up and I'm like, wait a minute, Baylor's kicking a field goal to go ahead, and it's yeah. what almost the fourth quarter. It's nuts. It was the so, fourth quarter, yeah, at that point. Yeah, and so uh, I mean, not to I don't know I don't know if Oklahoma took them too lightly or what. I mean, I've it's the things that go through my head when I think of that is is Oklahoma is or I'm sorry is Ohio State really overrated like you know that's did, what I thought I think I thought from watching them through the first couple of weeks that they are not that good I and I would agree with that and and I know like maybe like we talk about atmosphere with this Oklahoma State or game I mean it, it was kind of went in reverse order with Oklahoma and Ohio State um but that I don't know the the anger to the want to get them back and all that maybe played into it, but you got to say I mean this is just like after three games we talk about depth we talk about injuries we talk about all that Tech's been pretty fortunate, so um, but but you look at Oklahoma I mean their defense didn't look very good at all I mean I want to give Baylor kudos for the improvements that they've made I want to recognize Mims as a very good receiver I want to say that Smith has improved but at the end of the day. I mean, Smith and Mims played against Duke. Smith and Mims were available the first two weeks of the season. Yep. So that was supposed to be a top four team in the nation going on the road to a place they've played before, and they didn't play good. So I think somebody has to come out and say that. Um, everybody loves the bravado and the, the 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 craziness of Baker Mayfield. I mean, that stuff gets so annoying to me, and, and I don't want to go off on a tangent, but that's what I noticed. I mean, that's the game that I spent the most time watching. And then really, I mean, outside of that, I didn't expect TCU to beat Oklahoma State. Me uh, I just – I didn't. And so that changes the dynamics of what we'll see this weekend. But I still think from a tech standpoint, um, everybody would like to see the national recognition. But, you know, maybe later in the season is better. Right, um, and and Maybe you're certainly going to face a lot more in their in their like top five, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the higher ranked guys, yeah, so be it. Because I mean, gosh, at, at uh, 
played against TCE, you've beat them more than they've beat you since joining the Big 12, and, and they've even gotten one win on a crazy end-of-the-game tip pass a or couple years back. if it wasn't that, yeah. Yeah, so um, I, I think that the team could be on an upswing by that point in the season. There's a lot that we just don't know. Um, the good news is, is if, even if they uh, – I don't know. Even if they have a narrow loss, I mean, I think a lot of people want to see a competitive game. But if these guys on the offensive line aren't coming back or if the guys that replace them cannot play better, that gives you some hope for what the defense can do. And I think with the offense, I mean, you you look at what TCU is able to do. I think Tech has a better offense than TCU. Now, in terms of running game, uh, I don't think that we can say that. But the running game from three different backs had some pretty explosive plays last week against a pretty good defense. So at home, I think there's some things that they can do. And and you had a great piece with the gift analysis on how they're using that power run game. So, I mean, I think given the right circumstances, they can use a lot of that to their advantage as well. But I think the offense is definitely going to play better at home. Um, I'm calling, I'm calling a win for tech. I don't have a score for you. I know we're going to do that later in the week, but just with them playing at home with it being a night game and with them, you know, really not having the pressure on them, the pressure's on Oklahoma state. I mean, everybody like jokes about tech, not playing defense or defense optional and cliff being on the hot seat. I mean, seriously, the only, the only direction for them is up. Even if they lost this weekend, nobody's going to say, yeah, they, they're not a good football team. You know, it's, it's about how they perform. They can't get blown out or anything. Um, but I'm calling for a win. I I think the offense plays well at home. The defense continues to play well. I think, uh, I think a a healthy and rested Brooks is going to join Allen back on the field and, and really cause Oklahoma state some issues. Well, I, uh, I'm not ready to go that far, but I will say I am leaning in that direction. We'll see whenever we get our predictions up on Friday, but I do think that the thing about this game to me is it it comes down to your defense and all right, you've ponied up so far. Here's your first you know big time litmus test of right. what you're gonna do. Uh, and if you can limit them at all and and even hold them, I would say under forty points or even forty five points. I think you're you're doing something. So uh, we'll see this weekend. Uh, excited to get it going and uh, excited that you guys uh, took a couple minutes to uh, listen to us. Sounds like we're gonna have a fantastic weekend of football. Football weather, as they say, uh, in store here in the LBK. So uh, anything I'm jealous? Else? Anything? It is, man. It's. Uh, Today, we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. It was like 61 for a high in Lubbock today. It was... Ugh, isn't it raining, too? It's Yeah, done nothing but rain the last two days. So, well, hey, fantastic. I will trade you, man, because it is like... <laughs> it's almost October, and it's like 94 degrees outside. So, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. I, uh, I live closer to the equator, I guess. Yeah. Um, you live, basically live in a swamp cooler in a... Ugh. So, yeah, it's... I I will be uh, I'll make I'll be making my coaching debut this weekend. Will Ooh. I'm coaching the uh, we don't have a name yet actually I need to work on that. But my son's three year old soccer team. I don't know if that'll play well to that crowd, <laughs> but I like the enthusiasm. No, but uh, it, very limited responsibilities, which is why I agreed. I go to the games anyway, so I figure why not help. And uh, the, there's no real coaching to do because the three-year-olds, they run around. They don't thing. know the rules. Yeah, they'll focus for a little bit, and then they'll want to take a break. So it's, uh, But it, but I'm now the coach, so I'll, I'll give you some feedback on that. Okay. Hopefully one day I'll become the Nick Saban 
of the I nine uh, Pearland Sports uh, Soccer League, you, and uh, I'll uh, leave my legacy. Yeah, that's what uh, which that's what's all about, right? Is leaving your legacy as a dominant. yeah. It's about it... me. It's not about the kids. It's about <laughs> me and my abilities as a coach. I mean, we've got to win it all, like undefeated. I mean, you know, perfection. It's it's what it's all about. I'm sure Mason would be thrilled with that, but. What I really do is I just keep candy in my pocket so that when they catch joking, so when he's not paying attention, I say, oh, hey, look at this. It's a jelly bean. And he's like, oh, thanks. I'm like, all right, now you got to go get the ball. So that's my coaching technique. Well, I would say that is, uh, that's about as good as you're going to do for that, uh, that age group. So maybe, maybe Cliff can try it. He can, he can just say, hey, hey Nick, hey, Nick, here you go. Come on, go throw a touchdown, Nick. Wanna, Come on, here you go. Hey, buddy, you want a Jolly Rancher? Well, I tell you what, you, you go throw a touchdown, I'll give you one. Yeah, you betcha. That's that's, right. that's, that's going to win this weekend. But I think I think that's the secret to the game. That's the key to the game. All the ranchers in your pocket. <laughs> okay. On that note, uh, thanks so much, guys, for listening. This was the Victory Bells podcast. Hope you guys had a good time and uh, hope you enjoy your weekend. See you, Will. See ya.